In some ways, I could talk for a long time about what I'm going to be talking about. So perhaps we might pray at the beginning that the Lord gives me the right things to say and we're not here till tea time. Shall we do that? Lord, we're so grateful for your presence with us. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you that your presence is real. And thank you that you are at work amongst us. So will you help me to share the right stuff? And you will, will you help us to listen and to hear what it is that you have for each one of us today? Amen. And before I really start to talk this morning, I'm talking about spiritual warfare on the back of some of what Nigel said, and I'm also going to be talking about the last gift in our series, which is the gift of speaking in tongues. But I've started a new devotional this week, and I'm going to tell you about it some more next week. But I read this um, little paragraph in the introduction, and it just stopped me, and so I want to share it with you just before we, we, we go And it's kind of about why we come to the Bible, what it is that we're looking for when we read the Bible. And it says this, we come to encounter the one who is always so far beyond knowledge, who lives in unapproachable light, and yet who approaches us in love and tells us truth in undistilled form. God cannot be boxed but he can be known if we let him show us himself. And so, Lord, please, today, show us some of yourself. Mm -hmm. So as Nigel mentioned, we have been looking at a series on spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as Paul reminded us last week, these are gifts that are given to us by God. They're called gifts for a reason, because like presents, we don't earn them, we don't deserve them. They don't even mean we're special or particularly holy. My kids get Christmas gifts, whether or not they have been good or bad. We don't have a naughty list in our house. I don't know how it works in your house, but we all get gifts. We all get presents on our birthday. It's just what happens. So they're things that are freely given to us by God. And I was talking to some kids in the summer about gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I likened them to special powers or special abilities or strengths that the Holy Spirit gives us to help us stay connected to Jesus and do the things he did. A bit like kind of superpowers that you see the Marvel heroes having. And operating in these spiritual gifts is the normal way of life for anyone who's following Jesus. So what are they for? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 tells us a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And today, as I've mentioned, we're going to be talking about the gift of tongues in a minute. But before we get there, I just wanted to talk about why they're so important. You see, the danger is that when we hear these gifts are gifts, when these abilities are gifts, we think that they are just a bonus for super Christians or an add-on to our spiritual life. But actually, they're an essential part of every Christian's daily life and walk with Jesus. Some people actually describe them as tools. And God gives us these tools to build up his family, the church, and help us share the wonderful news of Jesus with other people. Now, I confess, I am not the person who does DIY in our house, but I do know enough to know that if I want to put a picture on the wall, 
I need a hammer. And if I want to get put together one of those IKEA bits of furniture, I need one of those, I don't even know what it's called, one of those little silver tooly things. An Allen key, thank you. Nigel does the DIY in our house and he knows what it's called. You need to have the right tool for the right occasion. And so if you come across somebody at work or in the street who you are chatting to and they have a pain in their body or they need healing, you need the gift of healing. It's great to have the gift of encouragement and say, oh, you're such a kind person and God loves your kind heart. But actually, that's not necessarily the gift you need in the moment. We need the right tool for the job. And in the same way, God gives us spiritual gifts for different occasions and situations. They're listed in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And some of them seem like kind of souped-up versions of normal things that we have. The ability to be really good at serving or encouraging or leading other people. All of those are vital. But others are things that we can't usually do unless the Holy Spirit gives us that gift. And in this series, we've looked at healing. Lynn came and spoke a few weeks ago. Mark talked about prophecy. And last week, Paul talked about discernment wisdom and faith and if you missed any of those I really encourage you to catch up online with them and I know that some of you have been practicing these gifts already and exercising them in the places where you are so great if you've got some stories of taking risks I would really love to hear them could we just pause for a minute actually I'm aware I'm kind of rattling on through my notes but there is a real heaviness in the room here So why don't we just stand together? And I'm sorry because I recognise that the news that Nigel shared will impact different ones of us in different ways. And some of you know people who have got cancer at the moment or have had cancer and haven't made it through treatment. And some of you have got other battles that you're facing So why don't we just, in the moment together, as we face these different things, just bring that to mind and just bring it to Jesus. Because you're not going to hear anything else from him if what's in the forefront of our minds is just that worry or that concern. Lord Jesus, we've sung our songs of love and surrender to you. You know that even hearing the word cancer just strikes fear in some of us and deep sorrow. So as church family, as community, we come before you. we give you our individual situations. And we invite you to reign as king over all. Thank you for your presence.
And I wonder if some of us just actually need to stay in that place of connecting with Jesus. So it is really fine by me. I'm going to carry on to talking. But if you just need to have that connection with Jesus in this moment, just stay in that place. You are so welcome to do that. I mean, you might want to stay standing. You're welcome to, or you might want to sit down with my family here. <laughs> so I mentioned that these gifts or tools are not just a bonus, but they are vital to our daily life. And you know, we don't have to read very far in the Bible to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. In my Bible, that begins on page two. We have an enemy who is Satan or the devil. He has powers of darkness working alongside him. They hate the church of Jesus and they want to destroy us. And this battle is real and it's serious and we need to be alert to it so we can be aware of what's going on and we can fight back. And in fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, even as I'm speaking, you might be thinking, what? Because in our country and culture and worldview, it's not very common to talk about spiritual powers or the reality of evil. And yet, in most parts of the world, it's completely accepted that there are two very real kingdoms, darkness and light, God and the enemy. As a result, we in the West can make the mistake of either just ignoring the enemy's work or giving him far too much credit. And in fact, we just need to understand what he's like, how he operates, and what we can do about it. There's no need to us to be, for us to be afraid of God's enemy. Now, Tom Thompson leads um, the Vineyard Church in Croydon, and a, a number of folk in the church family are doing a theology course at the moment and listen to him talk about the New Testament. And this is something that I read this week. I was reading in Luke 4 about the temptations of Jesus, where Jesus came face to face with the devil in the wilderness. And this is what Tom wrote, and I find it really helpful. He said, what Jesus fights for in the wilderness is intimate obedience to the Father in every single thing. The key to kingdom expansion is intimate obedience to the Father. And so this chapter, Luke 4, shows us that the biggest fight of your life will be whether you can persist in loving obedience to God, even when times are tough. Satan will try and take you anywhere but loving obedience to the Father, because he knows that in loving obedience, God becomes your king. And when God becomes king, Satan's head will be crushed, and his reign will be no more. And you know, this week, Nigel and I wrote a letter to our leaders, and we listed some of the wonderful things God is doing amongst us. We are really encouraged this term. It's a sense of increased hunger for God as we gather together. We're seeing community growing and developing in our life groups with people loving and caring for one another in really practical ways. We've got stories of people taking risks to pray for healing, whether that's inside the church or outside the church. We've had monthly days of prayer and fasting, and it's been wonderful to see many of you engaging in Zoom or on per in person. We've been praying for the sick, for global mission, and supernatural breakthroughs. We've prayed for a couple of people who needed work to get jobs, and they have. A bunch of our young adults went to course to live for last weekend, and several had significant encounters with God. 
There was an extended time of repentance and surrender, and one of them said, I will never be the same again. I'm changed. We've put the other stories in our newsletter and on socials, and so here's a little plug. If you don't get the weekly newsletter, it's really worth it, and do watch our Facebook and Instagram, because this is where we're sharing some of what God is doing amongst us. And guests and regulars are coming here week by week and meeting God. You know, someone said to Paul last week, that talk that you gave was just for me. She felt God speaking to her directly through it. We've got a team going out on the streets into Winchester most weeks to tell people about Jesus. We've got a bus going into local secondary school, providing a space for mental health and well-being support. And together we're providing food for the hungry, clothes and baby equipment for those who need it, and Christmas gifts for local families. And all of that is us being church together and extending God's kingdom. So if we know that God's kingdom expansion is opposed by his enemy, it's not a surprise that we find ourselves in difficulties and in the middle of challenges sometimes. Some people in our church family are really ill physically and mentally. Others are struggling for finance or with issues with their extended families or finding work. One of our youth buses is still not out of the car park. And we're not the kind of people who see a spiritual reason behind every problem. We almost always must look at situations and say, look, is this just happening or is the enemy at work here? Because we do live, don't we, in a broken world where we sin, we make poor choices and others around us do that too. And we live in the consequence of that. So there's an old phrase that I grew up learning, which was, we don't see a demon under every cornflake. Nigel said, don't use that because not everyone knows what cornflakes are. But the principle is the same. It's not a case that everything that goes wrong is directly, directly attributable to the enemy being at work. But we know we have an enemy who uses all kinds of tactics to try and derail us and stop us extending God's kingdom. And some of the ways he does that to attack our thoughts. He comes and he sows fear and discouragement, doubt, lies about ourselves and lies about God. Anybody ever experienced those? Yeah. That's not God's work, is it? It's the enemy's work. He attacks us through other people. In Matthew 16, even Peter, who was one of Jesus' best mates, um, came and told Jesus something, trying to get him off mission. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. Don't do that. And Jesus actually said, get behind me, Satan. Not the kind of thing you usually say to your best friend. But the enemy was speaking, giving a, a different idea or a different plan. Sometimes he's, he, he works by telling people to come and flatter us and make us proud. All different ways that he can use other people. And sometimes he attacks our bodies, affecting our physical and our mental health. Now we don't need to be afraid of this and we don't attribute every illness or broken down car or challenge to the work of the enemy. But it's really wise to be alert to the battle and to live God's way, whatever our circumstances And so what can we do about it? Well, today I've got some really practical things. And whatever the source of our difficulties, these principles are good ones. So the first one is be aware. Well, you are aware now because I've just been talking about it. Stay alert. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you are. So he is real, but we're not on our own in this. The second thing is about being real. You know, we try not to be people who pretend everything's okay. 
it would be easy for Nigel not to have shared the news and kind of us got on with this privately and quietly, and yet you wouldn't have understood why maybe sometimes he's particularly, particularly tired or not around. The truth is that everything isn't always okay. Rubbish happens. People we love get sick. Children don't make the choices that we'd like them to. Problems happen at work. And you know, the Psalms are full of God's people expressing their raw and real emotion. Reminding God of what it really is like. And that's why some of the songs we sing do that too. But within our songs and within our worship, we remember who God is. That's what we were doing this morning. Declaring the truth of who he is and what he has done. And you know, the end game, it doesn't mean that in doing that, everything always works out fine. But the truth is that God is with us and he wins in the end. And I'm struck by that song, you know, Sing a Little Louder. We sing that song and it's not just that we sing louder and it makes everything better. When we sing loudly the praises of God, we are reminding ourselves. You know, the, the, the psalm t- psalms tell us, praise my soul, the, you know, praise my soul, come on soul, wake up, remember. And that is what we do when we worship. And you know, there are some times, I don't know if it's true for you, but it's certainly true for me, when I just don't feel like it. And I don't want to worship God, where I forget who he is, which I don't feel anything. And in moments like that, We really need to work out how to encourage and support one another. You know, a few weeks ago, um, I came along to church, and if I'm really honest, I came because I was paid to be here, not because I particularly wanted to come and join in. But as I engaged in worship, surrounded by you guys who were singing Worshipping Jesus, I remembered who he is and who I am in the light of that. And there are times if we feel like we shouldn't be wanting to go to church or life group, to be honest, those are times when you most need to go. Because you need God's people around you to remind you who he is and what he's done. So we've talked a little bit about being aware, about being real. Talk to people in your life group. Tell them what's happening with you. Ask them to pray for you. And then the third and really key thing is we can choose to live right. We can take action and take responsibility for our lives. Ephesians 6 talks about the armour of God. Put on every piece of God's armour so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And if you've been in Sunday school at all, if you've grown up going to church, you will know this passage. You know, I've even been in a a group where we even made the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and put on a belt of truth. And what a great picture. But it's not a picture. It's a lifestyle. And I'm not going to go into that preach now because it's a whole other talk. But this week, why don't you look at Ephesians 6 and ask the Lord, what does it mean to wear salvation on our heads, over our minds? What does it mean to remember who Jesus is and all he's done for us? What does it mean to live right and have righteousness over our heart, asking for forgiveness when we've wronged people, not keeping offence, choosing to live the right way? What does it mean, not just to give in to temptation, but to stand against it, to put up that shield of faith? Anyway, I promise I wasn't getting into that talk, so we'll do that another time. But the long and the short of it is that the, the, the... Armour of God is a lifestyle, and we can choose to live right, and doing that is our way of defeating the enemy. Next thing we can do is pray, 
Ephesians 6. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. And God is calling out intercessors amongst us. We have a number of people who meet together on Thursday mornings, 9.15 to 10.15, just for one hour. That timing might be rubbish for you, but if you're free and you like to pray, come. We have a day of prayer and fasting once a month on a Monday. The next one's on the 11th of December. We get together on Zoom and in person. Come and join in and pray. If you think, I'm not an intercessor, I don't know how to do that, come and learn. A great way to learn to pray is to do it with other people. If you want to get connected, ping an email into the office and we'd love to connect you in. James 4 tells us to stand firm and resist. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. We are on the winning side. Jesus rules and he reigns. And these are just the skirmishes in the middle. And some of them are really hard. Sometimes it feels really scary. Sometimes we feel lost and alone. And yet God promises that he is always with us. And he's put us in church family with others who will stand alongside us. And then finally... My suggestion about spiritual warfare is actively asking God for the gifts we need in different situations. And we've been thinking about that a bit, haven't we, in the past few weeks. Do you need discernment to work out what's going on spiritually in a situation in your life? Ask God. Do you need supernatural faith? Ask God. Do you need healing for a friend? Ask God. Do you need a gift of evangelism to be able to effectively explain the good news of Jesus to someone? Ask God. He loves it when we ask for these gifts. And be encouraged because he is a good father who loves to give good things to his people. And in the long-term scheme of things, he has won the victory. Simon Ponsonby is a really well-known Anglican vicar. Some of you will have heard him speaking at, at conferences. And I read something that he'd written this week and it really struck me. He said, many Christians are content to live out their Christian lives looking back to the cross and looking forward to heaven without truly tasting the now of the age to come by the Holy Spirit. And I just thought, wow, let's not be those people. Let's be people who fully experience the now of the age to come, welcoming God's Spirit and trying to live out our lives with him. And so that's looking at why spiritual gifts are important. And the last gift in our series is the gift of speaking in tongues or in other languages. So if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to pull up Acts chapter 2. Because this is the first time it's described in the Bible. It's a familiar passage to many of us, but it might be new to you, in which case it's a great one says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Now bear with. 
Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood and were amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then Peter, the same guy we spoke about before, stepped up and explained what was going on. And in summary, he said this, look, you put Jesus to death. And then in verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he's promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. So this gift of tongues is the ability to speak in different languages. It's a special language that the Holy Spirit can give us to help us stay connected to Jesus. And sometimes it's a language that other people can understand, like it is in this passage. You know, I started looking up all those different places from Cappadocia and what have you, and I loved it. Pontus was actually a place where they spoke a specific type of Greek, um, not spoken anywhere else. And yet the people who'd come from Pontus could hear the wonders of God spoken in their own language. The disciples hadn't learnt Pontian Greek, but there they could hear hear and understand what was being said. Although sometimes it's a language that can be understood, it's not one that we've learned like learning French at school. It's a new language that God gives us to talk to him. And many of you will already speak in tongues or have heard somebody else doing it. And so this is just a reminder and a refresher. But for others of us, it's new. And if you would like this gift, then we're going to ask God for it later on. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 14 talks a little bit more about tongues. And it says that we should eagerly desire the the special gifts the Spirit gives It says, especially the gift to prophesy, because if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you're talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them, as Mark told us a few weeks ago. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks the word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so it sounds like it's a bit of a diss on tongues, isn't it? It's a bit like, oh, you should all want to prophesy, but don't worry about tongues. But then Paul goes on to say, I wish you could all speak in tongues. And if you do, you need to have the pray for the ability to interpret. And he goes on in verse 18 to say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. So why is this gift important? Well, it's a way of talking to God, because generally other people don't understand, but he does. It's a way of strengthening us inside in our friendship with Jesus and helping us stay connected with him. And if I pray in tongues, my spirit inside is praying, but I don't always understand what I'm saying. But you know, we can ask for a gift of interpretation. In church people, some people have, sorry, in church history, some people have seen speaking in tongues as the way to show that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Bible actually tells us that we can't be Christians unless the Holy Spirit has worked within us. He's the one who convicts us, he brings us to Jesus, and he is the one who is poured out on us when we come to faith. Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed in Christ, 
He, that's Jesus, identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he's purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So Ephesians is telling us that if you are a friend of Jesus, if you're a Christian here today, then you have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. But sometimes we just need kind of an activation of um, his presence with us. And signs that we belong to Jesus are expressing the fruit of his love and kindness, of generosity, of hungering for more of him. But the Bible does say that we need to keep on being filled with the Spirit and that we need to walk in step with the Spirit. And speaking in tongues is just something I found really helpful to help me do that. Is there anybody who hasn't heard tongues before? Just give me a nod or a quiet thumbs up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Everybody aware of it? Right, I was going to speak in tongues, but if you know what it is, that's fine. The way that I find it helpful for me is that sometimes if I'm praying or worshipping, I'm telling God how much I love him and how wonderful he is, and I just run out of words in English. So I sing or I pray in tongues instead. Sometimes I don't know how to pray about a situation. If something really big comes up that I'm worried about or there's a big problem I can't see a solution to, I pray in tongues. Because the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit can pray with us and through us. You know, when I was a teenager at a sleepover, um, I remember really clearly everyone else in the room wanted to watch a really scary movie and I didn't want to watch it, but I couldn't find a way to either leave the room or go home. And so I was in this what felt like a horrible situation. And so I just snuggled in my sleeping bag and I just lay there and I just prayed in tongues. And through the movie, I just don't remember anything of it. I don't remember any of the impact of it. But a little while afterwards, a couple of years later, I saw somebody who'd also been there and said, I can't get the images of that movie out of my mind. Now, in an ideal world, I would have been able to leave and go away and perhaps I could have found a way to do that. But that was something that I feel that God used to help protect me. Another time I was um, in the city centre, we were in a, a, actually in a, a shopping centre, and these two blokes came together and just started to fight, and a big crowd gathered round, and it was quite an enclosed space, and I was really worried about what was going to happen, and so I just started praying really quietly in tongues, and all of a sudden it just dissolved, they just stopped fighting and they walked away. Now I don't know what God was doing there, but for me, I just thought praying in tongues was a good thing to do in that threatening situation. And um, we lost our dog recently, but before we did, I used to regularly um, pray when I was walking the dog. And so when we speak in tongues, we're not making it up. We don't necessarily know what we're saying. It just comes out. And we can think about other things. So if I'm walking the dog, then I do have to think about the road being clear and crossing the road and, you know, safety. But also, I could be thinking about the things of God in English in my mind whilst praying in my spirit too. Something that I've started to do Okay, um, I'm going to talk about this. Let's, let's change my order. There are two kind of main ways of using tongues. We can use tongues really personally, which is what I've been talking about. But also, sometimes people will give a tongue in church. You may well have heard that. Somebody stands up and says something in another language we don't understand. And if that's the case, then the Bible says that we need an interpretation. We need to wait, and somebody else will tell us what it is that God's trying to communicate with us in the moment. But you know what I tried recently? If you're someone who speaks in tongues... Um, 
I spoke in tongues and I said to the Lord, can you tell me what I'm saying, please? And then I was able to speak in English to him. And it was really lovely because I was using words that I wouldn't naturally use. It was really life-giving to help me in my friendship with him and to speak to him. So if you don't do that yet, that might be something that you'd find helpful to do. So I wondered if we might give it a go. Um, I know many of you speak in tongues already. If you don't, it's really fine. If you don't want to, it's really fine. But is there anybody who'd like to receive the gift of tongues today? And we can ask God and see what he does. Take a lot of courage to ask for it in a room like this. I realize that. Right, thank you very much. So somebody would. So why don't we stand together? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the band to come up. And if you didn't just put your hand up, it doesn't matter. This is still an option for you now. But the thing about tongues is that it's a gift, so we can't make it happen. If we do or don't speak in tongues, it doesn't mean we're more special or more holy. We've said that already. It doesn't mean God loves us more. And the only way that we know whether we've got this gift is actually by trying to speak. The sounds don't just kind of fall out of our mouth. If we open our mouths, nothing comes out. So you actually have to try saying something. And speaking in tongues can be something that we can practice Um, And so it can feel a bit weird and embarrassing if you haven't done it before. You can feel a bit self-conscious and you can worry that you've got it wrong. But a good way to start is when we're singing or worshipping together. And so there's no pressure to have a go. But what I was going to suggest is that we pray. We ask God if he would like to give this gift to any of us today. And if you'd want it, if you want it, why don't you say inside, yes, please, Lord, I'd like it. Because it's really helpful. Um, and then the band are going to start playing, and Graham's got a song which we're going to sing in English. And then from there, he's going to lead us into to praying in tongues or singing in tongues. If you can sing and pray in tongues already, go for it. Um, if you're brave enough to do it loudly, that'll be really kind for those people who can't and don't at the moment, for two reasons. One, they'll feel less self-conscious that they have a go. And secondly, the way that I learned was I just copied somebody. So someone was speaking in tongues, and I just used the words that they had. And then I practiced, and it got more and more and more till my own language developed. Um, so should we pray, and then we'll go for it? Will that be right, Graham? Good? Yeah, great. Okay, so, Lord, thank you for this wonderful gift. It's been such a blessing in my life, and it's really helped and encouraged me. And so I ask now for any of my friends and family here who don't speak in tongues that would love to, that you would be kind enough, please, to give us that gift today. So why don't we start singing out in English? Ah. 